and welcome to Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma-Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. Each month on Fitter and Faster, we tackle one triathlon training topic in depth, giving you everything you need to know. This month, we're talking all things off-season. What is it? When is it? How long should it be? How do you structure it? Which sports do you do? And as you can probably tell already, there are an abundance of questions about this time of year. Now, the off-season is typically the name given to the time of year between one race season ending and another beginning. It can be a time for rest, recovery and less structured training. It can also be a time to really focus on one sport and make your relative weakness your new strength. It could also be a time where you spend longer in the gym, building strength and resilience. Or it could be a time where you simply try out new sports that can still help keep you fit for triathlon, such as cross-country skiing or fat biking. And as we approach winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, and almost all of us have hung up our race suits for the year, it's fairly standard practice for most folks to take a short break from training to help rest and reset from the year. Of course, different athletes differ in terms of how much time they take totally off. For some, they find that very easy. For others, that's extremely hard. And we talk about all these things and plenty more with coach Mike Olzinski later in the show. More on him in a bit. Of course, it wouldn't be fitter and faster without our gear up section. So we'll have our executive editor and gear guru, Chris Foster, joining us later to talk about some of his favorite gear for this time of year. More from us after this short break. The Velocity Cycling app knows that all of your training inside is to be better outside. And if your indoor training is only focused on getting stronger, then you're missing the main goal, which is getting faster. Becoming faster is a skill you can and should be training during your indoor sessions by focusing on key contributors to speed, like body position, effective power transfer, gearing efficiency, and drag reduction. Velocity will help you to get fast, faster. In order to get you to faster, Velocity is grounded in science with expert instructors who deliver engaging workouts that make you a better cyclist. Science-driven data delivers insights to develop power, skill, and speed while competing with friends to push yourself to your limits. Not only does Velocity focus on your unique physiology to train specific energy systems to meet your goals, but it also makes you a better, faster cyclist. To combat the boredom and loneliness of training in your pain cave, Velocity streams live instructors to lead your rides with the why behind the work as well as to let you connect with friends and like-minded riders through live video to motivate and inspire you. An added bonus is you can see your friends' real-time data, which helps fuel friendly competition and fun through the mini competitions within each workout. If you can't make a live ride, then there are on-demand and on-call replays of all the rides, so you can do them when it works best for you. With Velocity, better starts inside so you can get to fast, faster. Mike Olzinski is a senior coach and head of strength training at Purple Patch Fitness, based in San Francisco, California. He has scores of athletes tucked under his coaching wing, all of whom are keen to maximize their off-season, or post-season as you'll hear Mike calling it, in a bid to set up their upcoming year. In this chat, Mike gives us his views and his advice on structuring your winter training, and we talk about how it's a great time to really focus on skills and improving your weaknesses, as well as the importance of using this time to really mentally as well as physically reset. Okay, it's an interesting one. Here's our chat with Mike. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. And Emma Kate, thank you so much for inviting me to this esteemed podcast. I'm, I'm honored. 
Oh, you betcha. It's a pleasure to have you. How is it? How's it going over in San Francisco? Well, the, the, the feel of moisture is in the air, which makes us very happy. It's, it's been <laughs> like, we've been so happy to, to have a bunch of rain over the last couple of weeks. And um, sadly, one of those came on, on the Ironman California day, which we all yeah. heard about. Oh. But um, Mother Nature was grateful. But the, the 4,000 athletes or so might have been a little disappointed. But yeah, that was intense. That was Ooh. intense. That was intense. Yeah. But otherwise, it's um, good. things are turning green and it's sunny out today. So, lovely day. Yeah. Here. And it is a, and as we're obviously going to talk about today, we're talking about the off season, we're talking about all the post season, how what, we, we can talk a little bit about the language there. Um, and because it's obviously like a, it's an interesting time of year right now, mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure you've got a lot of athletes who are already in, you know, they, maybe they've wrapped up racing for the year. Um, they've taken a break. They're resuming training, or some other athletes are still racing. Um, other athletes are kind of just like lost and don't even truly—I don't know—whether they truly understand or understand maybe the importance. We were just talking offline a little mm -hmm. bit about the importance of the of the off season and this this time of year. Um, so should we kick off? And you, you know, I'm interested in your thoughts on mm -hmm. on what you think about the off season and and why it's important and. Um, what athletes really need to know about it? Well, I'm going to go ahead and just and just grab it right away, and not to be pedantic, but what if we just what if we could petition to strike off season as a term mm -hmm. from the record? And I know you know this as well because I, I actually I know you quite well. Um, in fact, I, I used to stalk you before you might have even known who I was. <laughs> uh, and I, I know more. Uh -oh, it's all you, coming yeah, out. Now. That's a little strange. Isn't? Hopefully, that's not too weird to hear. But um. <laughs> I did used to like follow you a lot when um when you're racing professionally and mm -hmm. randomly email you like is there a race calendar up to date things like that. But um, <laughs> anyways, side that's a tangent. But you since you know this as well as I, I I have a reason for this petition as well to strike off season and, and term it as postseason. Mm -hmm. All right, so the, here's the reason. I would feel more comfortable saying time off is great mm -hmm. and then postseason. I think right. everyone needs time off but if we go off season it's almost like calling an entire season off which is you know, it's three months or so right and you know here we are october november december if if, uh, if an athlete looks at that as truly off i do think like you said they could be missing some really fun a and and important opportunities b for their next year and right. if they take off time off after you like your biggest race and then start to work back into some post season i think mm -hmm. it's great and it might even just be a little bit of an identity thing for some of these folks who i do think the more serious or you know performance driven athlete is pretty cool with saying hey okay i'm gonna work on x during these couple months but maybe the more mm -hmm. recreational folks who's like, I, I'm not, I just want to have fun. I just want to complete these races. They yeah. kind of unplug for mm -hmm. three months. And there's reasons why we'll get into, I think that they, they shouldn't completely unplug. And, right. and they got to right. think of themselves as an athlete. And I like to encourage athletic behaviors to everyone because all, all us humans are athletes in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we should all be, we, we all moving and grooving and, mm -hmm. uh, 
keeping the body moving as we are as we're intended to yeah um but yeah so whether i mean i guess i guess whether we call it um postseason whether we call it off season it's really a time of year when racing is wrapped up for that athlete for the for the season and they're really kind of taking a break it, it can it's initially like taking a break from structured training and really like allowing the body to rest recover and the mind i think mm-hmm. um and then kind of resetting a little bit before beginning looking ahead to the following season and then kind of tr- setting up the training or setting up the things that you want to work on for the year ahead mm-hmm. um i guess that's and, and i guess it, i think it's people some people can or some athletes can get a little bit confused or in the weeds or kind of stuck um i think when it comes to like how much time should i take off how much time should i just be on the couch eating ice cream how much time should i be uh, just you know doing something completely random and you know different um, taking a break from the swim bike run so um yeah i guess i guess how long when it with the athletes that you work with mm-hmm. what does that look what does that look like and how do you you know how do you advise they structure it i think the like you mentioned the beginning zooming way way up and using mm-hmm. the the postseason as a time to maybe write down goals, mm-hmm. potentially plan out some of your your key races for next year, or key events, whatever it is you feel like doing. If you can have some some hard lines on when those things might occur, then you can start to put what we what we call a roadmap together. And mm-hmm. the roadmap is basically breaking up your your athletic year into quarters. Yep. And I see it really, it's, it's not all that different from, from a lot of business models or, or landscapes on their year. And if you can zoom yeah. out, set some of the really key moments up, and then lay down the three-month quarters at a time, and then give those quarters some, some loose naming, that, that's what yeah. I like to do. That's what we do with our athletes. Is, uh, and the reason why you want to have those races lined up is, is sometimes that could be way out in October. Or it could be like yes. July and August. And I do think that makes a big difference. Or, you know, even folks doing Boston, you know, if you had, if right. Boston is right. a key goal in April, you might have a really different structure. And, and this is something you want to look at before you're like deep in the weeds. Right. And then I guess maybe another thing that's just popped into my head is also uh, before you look ahead to the following season and what you want to achieve you know, in the year to come, you might want to look back at what you've done in the previous 12 months and things you might want to work on, things that you could improve, things that you're really proud of, you know, kind of, uh, I guess taking the taking the good bits and the bad bits and, and reviewing uh, and seeing what maybe that's helping to shape what you work on in the in the winter months. Absolutely. Is that something you do? For sure. Like yeah. that kind of end of year recap or like uh, right. we call it performance review. And yeah. as a coach, this is something that we do kind of intrinsically. But mm-hmm. um, if someone doesn't, it doesn't work with a coach, it is, it, it's a personal effort that you might just take a look at the races you did or your training and say, where's, where's my low hanging fruit? Where are my yeah. opportunities? Or, or you might even have to do some of the hard things sometimes, which is like, mm-hmm. what is really uncomfortable or what do I dislike? Yeah. You know? What's my weakness? Exactly. What What am I really bad at? Or what's a habit I need to change? I know, you know, that's something that's, um, it's very kind of popular and trendy right now. Like what, what are some of the habits I need to change or improve yeah. or things like that? So, um, but anyway, before we get into all that, that's, that's a different, yeah, we can definitely get into that in a bit, but, um, imagine, so let's say for example, I'm your, I'm your athlete. Mm-hmm. I'm working. You're my, you're my coach. I've just finished my race season, uh, which I know for some folks is kind of, 
we still aren't quite fully back into a, like a full race season, but let's imagine that we are. But um, what is it? What does my next few months look like? Do I take do I take a couple weeks off? Do I take four weeks off? Do I take six weeks off? Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Good. guide me, coach, guide me, Coach Mike. Guidance. Oh, what a lucky coach <laughs> I am. Um, I, first of all, it's definitely important that we just look at the the accumulation of hormonal fatigue of physical fatigue and and like you said emotional kind of mental fatigue it's it's Mm -hmm. difficult to show up for 12 16 24 weeks and be really hyper focused on your training so Mm -hmm. physically it's kind of obvious right but the mental side is i think something that people get a little like lose focus on so Mm -hmm. i say for for depending on the person, two to three weeks, I'm going to say this, I'm going to give you the absolute bare minimum. And I'm not even going to give a SBR workout, no mm-hmm. swim bike runs. Um, I will give usually three weeks of some self-care, like maybe mm-hmm. tissue work, some some active release that you can do on your own just to kind of condition. And, and every day is going to say, let's Go ahead and do what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like doing today? If you feel yep. like doing nothing, well, I'll mm-hmm. ask you to do something by spending 20 minutes with your foam roller, you know, hanging out. And if yep. you feel like going for a hike or, or for a light bike ride or you just – you live next to the pool like I do and you just can – you can walk there in the evening and walk back, great. Go for it. Mm-hmm. But there's not going to mm-hmm. be anything that's like, okay, 400, 200, 150 Nothing like right. There's no structure. Just go yeah. go do what you feel like doing. That's I would I would usually cap that at three weeks, and then right. communicating if if they need a little more time or if they got a big trip they had planned. That's cool. Yeah. Following that, we will start to reintroduce a little bit of structure, but yeah. it's it's pretty loose and it's a little more okay. We'll start to do swims. We'll probably do some fun more enjoyable bike riding and mm-hmm. then here, here's where the, the athlete needs can start to switch a little bit like do we need to do more running being yeah. typically the most taxing of the activities or can we spend a little more time in the water unloading a little bit you know so right that's where we can start to have a little fun and that is where the assessments of your previous year previous seasons might start to show up Right. And it can be, and obviously that's going to be entirely different for different athletes. It's as, as almost as unique as, as you are type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of so, snowflakes they are, the athletes. What's that? They're all a bunch of snowflakes. So <laughs> individual. So individual. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but some of the things, some of the factors that might obviously uh, impact that, you know, the amount of time and, and what it looks like and the structure of it might be things like your age, your training age, you know, how long, you know, how long you've been in the sport, you know, are you a complete, are you, are you a newcomer? Have you, are you somebody who's been in the sport 15 years? Um, I guess there's obviously an element of like geography and weather that comes into it too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're in Wisconsin, it's a bit different to if you're in Florida and it's November, December, you know, like you can obviously still get out and ride and do social rides. Whereas maybe it's, you're going to be, if you're somewhere where it's snowing, it's going to, you're going to be tra- on the trainer a lot and meh, not everybody wants to do that. Right. Um, and obviously what's going on with, you know, work, family life, you know, um, so I guess you've got to take into into consideration all these different factors before you kind of figure out like what the postseason is going to look like for different athletes. 
Um, and so if you've got a if you've got a relatively new athlete who mm-hmm. still has say say maybe like a lot of gains to make in the water, you were talking you were talking before about maybe you, you use this time to make th- this uh, this period of time is like their swim project time, and you can kind of set a set a goal and have a very kind of almost single sport focus. You're still kind of ticking bike and run over in the background, mm-hmm. but maybe you use this time to make this, that person really bring their swim up. You know, up a few levels um is that the sort of, so yeah maybe give us a few examples of some athletes you're working mm-hmm. with um not having to name names obviously mm-hmm. but um of some of these kind of things that you might do with them like off you know post-season projects or whether it's swim work whether it's something else um mm-hmm. give us a few ideas i like those and I, I would have to go out on a limb I would, I would assume at some point you engaged in the swim project did you not Oh, I did. Yeah. In fact, in fact, it was when I first came to the States Mm -hmm. and I was at Tower 26 Mm -hmm. with a good old Uncle Jerry Rodriguez Mm -hmm. and um, Matt. uh, So this is when I was coached by Matt and he worked really closely with Jerry at the time. And they were quite sneaky, those two. And they I didn't really I, I wasn't consciously aware of what was happening, but I was actually my swim volume was going up and up and up and up. And it was actually it, it was like an off-season or oh, a winter a winter swim project where my swim volume was super high and i actually very interestingly well for the for the nerds in the room um not only did my swim volume go up and my obviously my swim aerobic endurance and muscular endurance went up but that following season my run base was the best it had ever been mm-hmm. i i built i built that aerobic engine in the pool over the winter months with zero stress on on running muscles and impact uh, on the lower limbs, but built, you know, increased all of that cardiovascular um, power and strength uh, to come out into the following season with not just a stronger swim, but a st- actually a stronger run. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a kind of cool swim project that happened mm, without me. Well, obviously I was aware of it, but you know, it's kind of one of those cool things. Yeah. And and, mm-hmm. and some unintended, well, obviously intended consequences, but also some unintended consequences in some way because when you swim that much, you do get huge aerobic boosts from coming coming through on a bike and run. So Definitely. swim projects, I, I think swim projects are super cool for the winter. Um, but other other projects that you like to do with your athletes? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean the the heart, lungs, and blood don't discriminate. You know, right. The heart, right. lungs, and blood, like they, they don't really have to cope with the impact. They, they just, they train. And they, mm-hmm. when, when the heart rate is up, it's adapting. When the lungs are working hard and the blood is moving, like that, it doesn't yeah. matter if you're swimming, biking, or running, like VO2 is VO2. And, mm-hmm. and you can certainly work on that a lot in the pool. I, in yeah. fact, I would, uh, for the, it, it might sound like a blanket statement, but, for the vast majority of triathletes that I've worked with, mm-hmm. there, there's I could probably think of maybe a dozen folks that I've worked with in ten years mm-hmm. who wouldn't really benefit from a swim project. And those right. ten or twelve athletes yeah. were collegiate swimmers, or yeah. or just have grown up swimming and they've been swimming their entire life. They're extremely comfortable yeah. in water no matter yeah. what. And like they can go and swim for four weeks and then boom, they're back to race fitness. You know, yep. that's not yep. most triathletes and adult onset swimmers. So 
For sure. I, I think most mm-hmm. age group triathletes would fit into the bracket of they need a, it would be a good idea for them to do yep. a, a swim project through the winter. And in fact, you even, now I'm thinking about it, you even see a lot of the pros who are, their swimming is their relative weakness. Like take like the Lionel Sanders mm-hmm. or the Sam Longs mm-hmm. or the Heather Jacksons of the world. They will, you know, they will commit to big blocks of swimming um, through the winter months. Yeah. That then, you know, that sets them up, not just from, from a swim point of view, but from for everything else. For sure. I mean, um, I heard Sam Long talking about it maybe like two weeks ago, right after the Worlds, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. And at that at that end, it's it's it actually is a performance thing. Like you can't lose that that time whatsoever. But um, yeah. And then for it, it, it pairs really well with the changing seasons as well because in in most places like you're losing daylight, it's less mm-hmm. chilly. You're just less likely to go out for sixty mile bike ride on a weekday. I mean, you probably don't feel as great. It's getting dark early. You know your pool's yeah. lit. It's typically it's indoors in a lot of cases, or it's it's a controlled environment. Yeah. It works really well. I also believe that a lot of people just have an anxiety and a discomfort, and they just don't want to go swimming. It's yeah. if you had a choice between going for a run and going to the pool, most mm-hmm. people will default towards the run. Definitely, and, it goes back to what we we're saying. Mm-hmm. People don't like doing what they're bad at. Exactly. Typically. So yeah. if you take a chance during the postseason to, let's say, I'm going to commit to swimming four times a week, whatever mm-hmm. it takes, my assumption would be that over three to four weeks' time, you'll start to feel better. Your body will start to adapt. Mm-hmm. Your form will start to improve a bit because we'll do a lot of form work, of course. It's a, lot, mm-hmm. it's a good time to do a lot of drill work, um, yep. set up your technique, set up your form. Over that, mm-hmm. that time, you're going to start feeling a little more comfortable swimming. And thus, mm-hmm. when you're more comfortable, you get a little more yep. excited to go and do it. So it's, right. it's just kind of the natural effect. So it's, yep. it's a really, really good thing to do. It pairs well with some of the other things too, like strength training. If, you do, if you're a physically limited athlete or if you're injury prone throughout mm-hmm. the regular season, it's probably mm-hmm. a good idea to pair in some lifting. And right. swimming and lifting pair really well together. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, we'll get into strength in a bit. But um, before we do that, what about um, bike and run? Bike and if, run. If, if, they're your, if, they're something you, if they're an area that you yeah. want to focus on as a single sport, what would some bike and run work look like through, the, through this time of year? Very good. Uh, in fact, like for, for that person who might be like really comfortable and just mm-hmm. has a terrible time reacting from the ground – like, mm-hmm. like your long-time swimmers, they actually have a difficult mm-hmm. time reacting from the ground and running a lot. Like right. they got what we call the, the swimmer legs. So mm-hmm. I, I'm happy for that person to go f- through what we would call a run resilience project. Okay. Tell just, us about the run resilience project. That sounds cool. That's a fun one. Um, <laughs> my life is basically a run resilience project. It's, <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I see it as, a, it's actually probably one of the easiest things to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's the, le- it's the least amount of time needed to really get it done. Because mm-hmm. I would have two maybe more focused sessions, one probably more technical and one probably off-road, just collecting yeah. time. And then yeah. you might have two or three, even four little tiny runs that are just anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes possibly over the course of a few months we can increase that a bit but i do have an mm-hmm. athlete liz um who's wonderful and she's done this before 
she goes November and runs every day in November. Oh yeah. And it's, I think, yeah. Um, actually it was started through Wazelle. I believe they started this really cool thing, like run November thing. And yeah. she felt really good with it. I think some of the runs are less than a mile. Like yeah. You just go out, just get out, getting out the door, get out yeah. the door, like maybe a 10 minutes walk, mm-hmm. jog and do a couple high knees. And um, yeah. I really do think that is beneficial. It, it gives you real good connection with the ground. Again, you start to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And when you're comfortable, you want to do it. Yeah. Um, there's one other one that I do like too. And, and some of the, the, the data geeks or the, the bike enthusiasts will love this mm-hmm. one. I do think the postseason is a good opportunity if this is your choice to, mm-hmm. do, to work on VO2 on the bike. Or the oh, other side of the coin, which which I've learned a lot over the last couple of years through some really smart people and smart coaches, decreasing VLA max, so which means like making your body a little more oxidative and less glycolytic. For for our sport, it's typically beneficial to be more on the oxidative side. So increasing how much work you can do with oxygen and then mm-hmm. decreasing how much of that work comes from glycolysis or like the carb burning system interesting mm-hmm. okay and, and so and what, what would sessions like maybe give us a sample session for that yeah or uh if, or if i'm putting you on the spot yeah, there then ahead. that's fine I, but... this is my job all day every day they, <laughs> they live in my brain they just float around and i just pick out good them. good so like a typical vo2 max like the, those are pretty common i think like uh one minute zone five plus one minute super easy doing reaches back and forth you know yeah like really getting yourself maybe six six times one on one off Mm -hmm. next week seven times next week eight you know this and that it's it's um pretty simple it's short duration equal rest equal or greater rest even yeah you know so work to rest ratio typically you want one to one or one to something higher than one that's that's a-okay for vo2 um, and that's also the sort of thing that's super fun to do as fun. well. Like, you know, if you're, if we're making, mm-hmm. if we're talking about this time of year being focused on fun and, you know, improvement and all that kind of thing, I think stuff like that is really fun to do, especially in a group, you know, if, if you're like doing indoor rides together or even outdoors, like, uh, it's very, it's that sort of fun. I think it's also cool to, to make these sessions quite, quite social, right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, fu- and fun focused. So. Yeah. And then, um, and then obviously this is, this is, as we're just, as you just mentioned, this is a great time of year to focus on strength or to, to get in the gym and to really think about some of the, maybe some of the weaknesses you want to shore up or some of the, some of the things that have caused you problems from an injury or, uh, yeah, injury point of view, you know, throughout the year prior, like, um, and I know you do a, you're the, you're the head strength coach at, um, Purple Patch. So you obviously, oversee a lot of this kind of thing mm-hmm. so how how do you help athletes at this time of year kind of when it comes to gym work and and what's the what's the what's the first sort of macro goal if you like i i think it's this is why i love postseason as as mm. the strength guy as the person who loves to yeah. be in the gym i uh it is it is the greatest opportunity to train your physical resources that's the way i think mm-hmm. of it like you're just training yeah. from the inside out you know, mm-hmm. when, when you get out in the course, it's it's kind of, you know, managing what you have inside your body mm-hmm. with yeah. other other mediums, with water, with your bike, and, and with running, you know? Mm-hmm. And that takes time to train. And you will yeah. only go so far if what you have inside your physical resources are limited. 
Yeah. So to me, the postseason is a great time to improve your physical resource. And mm -hmm. to, to put it really frankly, it's a great time to lift heavy things. Um, yes. If you look at the triathlon as a sport, it is you're not lifting anything. But the pressures and the forces that interact with your body are massive, 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 massive. Um, yeah. Amount of time from impact from duration. Uh, it's gravity. You know, gravity is a hell of a thing. Can't escape Isn't it? it. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, you know. But if and, – and the reason we got to lift heavy things is basically to get our posture to last for the amount of time that we need it to last. And mm -hmm. we're just, it, it can be disruptive if you start to lift heavy things when you're also trying to improve in those other mediums. Right. And, and you got to do three of them, for God's sakes. Um, right. And it can also start to tax you a little bit when you need to get really key workouts done. So using this time, the postseason, to get comfortable with it, to maybe be a little sore, to not worry if you show up to your bike ride or your swim and you're just sore and heavy. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna. It's not gonna really disrupt your training. And then when you go into the new year, January, February, preseason, race season, you mm -hmm. you are just leveling yourself up. And and if we zoom out, this is kind of where the macro cycle focus comes into play. And this is how mm -hmm. seasons upon seasons can create layers. Yes. And triathletes are not the only sport that does this. I mean, this is uh, this is pretty much all sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything physical. Athletes go through from, from, from high school, college, professional, you know, they go through these phases where strength training gets a really big focus. Yeah. And then typically as they get closer to the more important things, strength training starts to decrease in focus and their, their sport yeah. increases. And I mean, it, it looks kind of like a, if you look at the graphs, it's just a big DNA helix, like waveforms. And over the years, mm -hmm. those waveforms just trend up. You know, yeah, and and I guess this is the time of year where strength coaches kind of rubbing their hands together with glee because normally they're they're getting athletes walking in after big swim bike run sessions and they get kind of what they're given. You know, like this is the athlete who's, uh, you know, I know I've heard Erin Carson talking about when you know, some of the work she does with like Tim and Rinny and and some of the other you know pro athletes she works with. Like she in, in the preseason and race season, she's working with an athlete that's already done their key sessions for the day in the and they're coming into the gym fatigued. Mm -hmm. um, but in the winter time, this time. It's kind of, she's kind of like, woohoo, yeah. okay, what should we do? You're, you're mine now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and really like you're saying, like you are building up your body. You're, you're doing, you're doing, you might be lifting heavier. You might be doing work that would otherwise maybe impact a little bit too much on key sessions, key swim bike run sessions. But I think in the gym, you're technically thinking about building a body that is resilient enough to withstand all the hundreds of miles of swim bike run you want to put through it the following year. So really it's kind of like a time to lay the foundations of strength. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and think of it that way. And when you think of it that way, that's kind of, I, I, th I think that's like, personally, I think that's a super exciting thing to a way to, th way to think about it. It's like, cool. How do I, how do I build myself to get even stronger and even, even more robust or even more durable and resilient? Yeah. Um, because then that obviously leads itself to better consistency the following year in terms of you know, you're not going to – in theory, you shouldn't have too many problems with injuries or setbacks. So, um, yeah, this is definitely – I think this time of year is definitely a great time to be in the gym and, and like you said, throwing heavy things around. Mm -hmm. And you have some great resources too, like Aaron and Kate. I'm, I'm big fans of both of them because they're, yeah. they're preaching the good words and uh, it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And, and then so – 
Oh, go on. I, I was going to add one thing too. You can even think of it. It's it's letting your body handle what's about to come. And once mm-hmm. you've gotten past a couple years of that, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, now I know what it's like. I know how to build strength. You can start to think even bigger and say, hey, mm-hmm. if I want to build, if I'm Sam Long and I need to get faster in the swim, mm-hmm. well, maybe now I'm actually doing strength for the way it was originally intended, which is performance enhancement. Mm-hmm. It's legal performance enhancement. It's tremendous. So yeah. if you're building in, like if you're doing really heavy swim work and then you're mm-hmm. building some upper body strength through the lats, getting the muscles to work mm-hmm. together, getting the hips to coordinate with the shoulders mm-hmm. and, the, and the thoracic spine, mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice way that you can even get a little bit quicker in that amount of time. Yeah. And then through the season, you can maybe start to sustain that speed or another one, VO2 on the bike. What a great way. I mean, you see, you see legs of cyclists that have really high VO2 and, and they're not without muscle. Right. I, I've seen not. them and they, they look, they, they are very, very strong. So if you can mm-hmm. build some leg strength and the ability to produce power when attached to your pedals, it's a good, it's kind of a good pairing again to, uh, yeah. to that time of the year. Yeah. yeah. And then, and if we zoom out, if we zoom out from that also, like th- I think that helps, that kind of brings me to thinking about this time of year is so important, not just to think about what we want to do in 2022, but think about your whole career. Like you yeah. might be somebody who you might be a recreational athlete, but you, you really, really love racing Ironman or you really, really love racing 70.3 and you want to keep, you want to keep doing it for years and years and years. Um, and so I, th- I think this time of year is very good to take a step back and then think about that longevity. Like how long do you want to keep doing this and using this time of year to, I don't know, like really, really get into what, what are my longer term goals and how, how do I use this time of year to kind of get, get ahead in the longer term? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something, is that, is that something you think athletes do naturally? I I think I know the answer to this, but. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough, it's, it's, it's unnatural. I would say. Mm-hmm. For for the majority of folks, rarely yeah. lands on the coach, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I've worked with clubs and teams in the past too, where you know the the flow of the year typically is you get a sixteen week block of training, yeah. You do the race, and you pretty much just kind of unplug until you start your next race block or sixteen week yeah. program or something, right? And yeah. my my biggest issue with that is not so much about the training or not so much about like the, the lack of a roadmap. It's, I just, I want those athletes to have great experiences and have the experience continue to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would assume when people sign up for these events, half Olympic try, half Ironman, Ironman, mm-hmm. they do it because yeah. they want to enjoy it at the end of the day. Maybe, yeah. you know, the type two fun suffer yeah. in order to enjoy it's something it's something you get to do yeah. not you have to do exactly. right yeah, yeah, totally it's about yeah, having yeah. a good experience and i think when you um if you just unplug and then just plug back in when it's time to race i i don't see that as a real sustainable way to enjoy it mm-hmm. because it's also enjoyable to feel your body progress and feel little things become easier to maybe achieve something that you didn't think was possible and yeah. if, if you just wipe the slate clean every time you race, 
and start back from from square one, I think that might get almost irritating for some athletes. And then eventually they might not enjoy the training process like they did when they first started. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So by, by you, just doing something different in the in-between times, yeah. I think that can really help their enjoyment and level them up, even if that's not their ultimate goal, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, you, and you often hear a lot about a lot of athletes just based, well, we, we, hear, we hear the phrase mm-hmm. base training mm-hmm. a lot for this time of year, uh, which, you know, I take to mean people just uh, keeping their heart rate super low, doing some, a lot of aerobic endurance work, um, which I, again, I think can get a little bit tedious right i think it's fun to actually mix up the intensity and mix up the structure a little bit um so how do you advise when, when it comes to your athletes in this time of year how do you advise or how, how do you structure their what's the complexity or what's the complexion sorry of, of their training look like is it is it all easy in base work or is there some fast fun stuff yeah. or you know uh, short bursts that kind of thing what's what is the give us an idea about how you would advise athletes maybe athletes listening to this who are uncertain about t- the kind of training they know that they they want to get back into training but they're uncertain about the kind of training and the intensity yeah that they should be doing at this time of year I'll, I'll go ahead and just make one quick statement it's easy the last thing i want an athlete to do who just did an ironman which is basically a lot of pretty slow training is go mm-hmm. and spend more time doing slow training Right, You know, it's just that, that is counterintuitive. So, and you know, purple patch super well, our, our ethos has always been pretty simple end of range, ends of the range. Mm -hmm. Like let's say our body has five zones of intensity. We typically use a five zone give or take system, which sometimes I even think is too many, but Mm -hmm. when we are in this time of year, I think it's where we paint the corners of, of nice. those zones like you do a bunch of work in the very bottom zone like you do want to do a lot of yeah. easy stuff yeah. where you can develop and resilience and oxidative you know capacity but then you'd mm-hmm. also do some very short bursty things that are mm-hmm. high intensity and yeah. the main purpose for that as well is not to like crush you and make you faster but it's to trigger the right form because if you think yeah. about it, if you the best way to figure out how to run is to run away from a tiger, right? So yeah. if you're running quick for short durations, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, up to a minute maybe, and you're just running mm-hmm. hard, your yeah. body starts to find that correct technique. Same with the swims, doing 25s fast. I mean, I'm sure oh, you've done that. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. It's like, yeah, yeah that's that, that, always, that was always the go-to for, mm-hmm. say, Jerry, you know, Tower 26, Jerry Rodriguez, and I know it's the same for, for Matt in the pool, like fast 25s. There is nowhere to hide no. when you are doing fast 25s. You have to find the form in order to get your body from one end to the other as fast as possible. And you're doing that for, you know, a, a bunch of reps. Like you are, you are forcing your body neuromuscularly to learn how to get through the water as fast mm-hmm. as possible. And, I, and okay, it might look messy for some people and it might, um, yeah, but I think fast 25 in the, in the pool, fast 25s, you can't, you can't go wrong with those. Can't go wrong. Um, and Jerry is an evil, evil man. You might even do something is. crazy. Like why, why, why would a triathlete not learn how to swim a butterfly? You know, I, I think <laughs> I, I give this to my athletes all the time. I get a lot of curse words in the comments, um, typically directed yeah, at me. I can, I can imagine. But it, why do I need to swim butterfly? Well, if we do 25s butterfly, 
your physical awareness in the water and, and your purchase, your, your, gr- when you're grabbing that water yeah, way yeah. out in front with both hands, you figure out how to catch that water and how to grip it all the way through the stroke cycle and pull it past your hips. I mean, you surely do. It's, I, I think it's a fantastic drill. It's something you might not do much in the race phase of the year, but right. you can get good at butterfly in the three month or four month period. I bet you can swim freestyle a little bit better in the next. And year. then just to like, yeah. And then I'm just thinking like random spin off of that. If you're working in the gym and you're doing a ton of core work and, you know, whole body, you know, like deadlifting, that kind of thing, which encourages like whole body engagement, mm-hmm. you are going to, you're going to event over, over a course of a few weeks, I would bet you that your ability to swim fast 25s or your ability to make it, or even just make it down the, down the pool to uh, 25 fly is going to be vastly improved. If you've been doing a bunch of trap bar deadlifts or, um, I don't know, you, you can probably tell me better, but like the exercises that, that kind of encourage that whole body activation. Absolutely. In order to in order to move weight, you're gonna you're gonna be able to find that you can swim twenty-five fly and be like, oh, that was actually enjoyable. Yeah. Or oh, I'm actually still alive, you mm-hmm. know. So uh I think um that's definitely what I found anyway. I I found that for sure. I don't particularly enjoy swimming fly, but um it's much easier when you've got that kind of all that what I would call like that whole body um core strength from from being in the gym and doing the and doing the right kind of work um, oh yeah and i don't know if you've ever seen a butterfly swimmer but they usually oh. are they, they their physique is not bad usually <laughs> mm-hmm. this is very true they're very yeah. strong um they're they're put together they're very proportionate they have very strong hips and very yeah. strong upper body obviously you know and that that's not yeah. a bad thing to think about going into a triathlon season. You know, you can you can yeah. certainly build muscle doing some kind of program like that, you know? Yeah, and you don't have to build a ton of muscle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, do, you're doing the right type, type of work in the gym. You don't have to build a ton of muscle. Right. Um, but uh, I think you can – but you can build the right kind of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what – maybe some other sports that you like to encourage your athletes to do at this time of year. So it's not all about swim, bike, run. Um, and we're, we're not spending all of our time. We are doing some, some gym work. We are doing some strength work, but we're not spending all of our time on, uh, like we would maybe in, you know, in the pre-race, uh, in the pre-race phase. And when we're building towards race season, obviously everything's going to be swim, bike, run strength focused, but this time of year, it's also kind of fun to, to take the focus away from, from that so strictly. And, maybe try some other sports and are there any sports that you kind of and some of this will come down to personal preference Mm -hmm. or geography or or budget or whatever but are there any kind of sports that you like to encourage your athletes to um, maybe try or or things that you think kind of transfer well for triathletes yeah for sure i mean i think there's there's some sweet spot sports there's definitely Mm -hmm. some sweet spot ones but then at the end of the day kind of like you've mentioned it is a lot about emotional and mental health and fun and for God's sakes, if you like to play golf, like you should play some golf. I, I actually love yeah. golf. I'm a huge fan. It, it may not nice. directly improve your triathlon skills, but th- there's fun into it. There's there's mobility. Yeah. It's relaxing. Your mind is focused on something. I think it's fantastic. And so a lot of people, if you live where in a place you can play golf, Florida or the South or like somewhere that it's warmer, mm-hmm. yeah, go out and swing the sticks. But um, yeah, I think this. I wouldn't recommend that in Boulder in December, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure pretty people, pretty people do. But <laughs> they're, they're they're hardcore sometimes, you know. They're from hardcores, but I, I think the sweet spot sports are really things like if you do live in a place you can get cross country skiing. By golly, mm-hmm. I mean it's hard to beat that. 
And, right. and I will say to practice a few times before you go heavy, because uh, it's, it's also a technically challenging sport, but um, it's, it's, I mean, the, the cross pollination there is really clear. Yeah. I, I love an athlete who can get courageous enough to get on the mountain bike or a gravel bike, yeah. which has become a real popular. And yeah. Very trendy. Fat yep. biking. You know, all all this is fun. You no, know, I did that. I did that a couple of winters ago, mm-hmm. fat biking, and that was so much fun mm-hmm. and such a solid workout. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! Like you are working, and you don't even realize it. For sure. Uh, and you take yeah. off your clothes, and it's like you've just caked with sweat all the way through. Oh, um, definitely. It's it's great for your for your confidence, for bike handling, for just you know being off the road. Um, it's just yeah, fabulous. Oh, I ended up like face down in a bunch of snow so many times, oh, but sure. I mean, not much harm can come to mm-hmm. you. And you, you, so it does encourage you to like, you know, your handling does have to improve. You have no choice about it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then you come off, you come off and you land in a pile of snow. So Absolutely. Um, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, um, but yeah, like mm-hmm. around here in Colorado, there's definitely a lot of, you, you find a lot of triathletes who are snowboarding, skiing, cross country skiing, fat biking. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all, all those kind of, you're using your body. And all the like, biking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're using your body and you're just, you're, you're you having awareness, proprioception. It's all really good. If you live on a yeah. coast and it's warm enough, like I, I love people that go surfing. I think surfing is a tremendous yeah. sport um, for encouraging. Yeah, you folks water. in California are lucky for that. Yeah. We're lucky folks there. Um, but even yeah. paddle boarding, you know, like you might live somewhere where it's warmer and you can get on a lake or get on a river. Mm-hmm. Like just getting out on a paddle board is fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. really fun. Fun to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then and then I guess another thing that's important to touch on here is I think, and especially as we come come to the end of another what's been another funky kind of season, COVID, you know, with COVID and and racing's kind of affected and training's kind of affected. I think people, and obviously some people have been able to get back to racing, others aren't, and they're still kind of ticking over. Um, but I think one of the things that we're seeing more and more of is like people are people are kind of burned out and you, you mentioned like the emotion, the emotional side of it and making sure you're doing stuff you enjoy. Um, what if, you know, what if, if you've got an athlete who is feeling like that, what's your, as a coach at this time of year, what's your, what's your advice to them? Um, Cause obviously I think this time of year is super important to reset uh, and, and to, you know, to come back feeling enthusiastic, to come back feeling excited so, um, firstly, is it some, is that something you're seeing more, more of as a coach? And secondly, if that is, how do you, how do you help them? This is an unprecedented situation for sure. And the, the, the obvious unprecedented has kind of already been done, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now what I'm seeing is we, as, as coaches and athletes, we are now seeing some folks that have pretty pretty seriously stayed in training for 18 months or more. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's been, cause those, those who they were kind of using it as, um, as an outlet and as a way to just kind of keep healthy and, and, and feel good during the pandemic was to train and like be in, inside and spend time on Zwift on, uh, yeah. you know, whatever you can do indoors, swim cords for yeah. God's sake, support people in their swim cords. I, I, I think I have a few and I'm running into athletes that have maybe been not, maybe not volume all the way up, but volume at like mm-hmm. seven or eight for 18 months. Mm-hmm. And it, it is right. really, really taxing in yeah. 
very much on the emotional and, and the the mental side. So right. my best advice in this situation is to take a serious unplug and think mm-hmm. about the platform of health. Period. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Th- there's so training is one element. It is a small percentage of the things that make you a human, a good human, and a good athlete. And right. if you unplug and consider getting quality sleep, maybe focusing a little bit on nutrition, like what the food that you're putting into your body, mm-hmm. um, your your career, you know, maybe your careers like even had taken some stress because you were training so seriously and heavily over the last couple mm-hmm. months. Like it's okay, yeah. I think, to to let training take the back burner and focus on mm-hmm. their family for God's sakes, you know? Like spend yeah. some quality yeah. family time, spend some time doing a little you know, maybe get a project ahead, maybe get some new food that you've never tried cooking with and take some projects where, where training just takes, you know, the 25% backseat. And you, mm-hmm. you start to look at your typical platform of health. And uh, I, I can, I'm, I'm here, I, I can use myself as an anecdote for this situation. And um <clears throat> I kind of was that person that was staying at like, you know, the 75% training all the time. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've started to do since I'm, I'm starting to wind down, even though I'm training for a marathon now, but I'm uh, still trying to take the the platform of health approach to it. I, yeah. I, I wasn't finding time to read. And mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, I'm like, I just felt a little emotionally and mentally burned out from always mm-hmm. forcing myself to get out and go for that run. Yeah. And now I'm like, I don't really worry about it as much. I feel like I've done it enough for the last 12 to even more months. I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Instead of this run, I I feel like I need to relax a little more. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to sit down and read this book for an hour today mm-hmm. instead of going for a run. And my runs yeah. have gotten better from letting yeah. that happen to me. It's kind of interesting. So yeah, I think people I think, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that's something that a lot of people will be able to identify with Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think, and there's a myriad of reasons why, obviously many of which are very unique to the individual, but I think there is just this now that I think, you know, coming through COVID, there's just been like this, everybody's on all of the time Mm -hmm. and it's very, and and it's been much harder to, to switch off to just, so I think that's like, I applaud that totally, Mike, like being saying, I'm not going to go for an hour's run. I'm going to lay on the couch and read for an hour. It's like, that's like, that's, I think that's actually golden advice. You know, that's just, that's what a lot of people probably at this time, of, especially at this time of year, definitely need to do over another workout. So yeah, again, taking the 30,000 foot view and saying like, what do I need as a, what do I need as a human? And if I feed myself, the, if I feed myself well, if I, or if I feed my soul, mm-hmm. you know, feed all of me, then I'm going to come out of that as a better, better athlete too. Yeah. So um, yeah. It takes courage. Well, it takes confidence. It does. It's like, you have it. I think it's the the more difficult thing is to not do it. Yeah, and the trust yeah. that it, you'll be okay. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I think um, a lot of athletes, maybe the especially the newer folks, it's uh, it's hard to be like, well, I've been doing so good with my bike, I don't want to miss a day. And they're they're like, yeah. the, the good side of them is like, I'm gonna get out and do it, but the tougher side is like, you know what? I think I'll do better next week if I don't do it today. And I can testify that I might, I'm, I'm running better 
than I was six months ago running six or seven days a week. I'm now training for a marathon. I'm running four and I'm running mm-hmm. better every single key session that I have. And I feel really good about it. It's, um, it's been an interesting yeah. process. <laughs> it is interesting. It is. And it's sometimes time and it is a good time of year to let, to drop the reins a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, not, not entirely, but, um, so final question for you, Mike, and if you do have an athlete or if you are an athlete, like that who's feeling like super anxious like i don't want to let i'm in the best i'm in good shape i've been training i've been training consistently all these months i don't want to let i don't want to let my my training go what would be what would be your advice to them what would be uh your words of wisdom boy oh boy that's a great one good question i i think when you when you relax you allow your best self to show up Mm -hmm. it's so true and it's, it sounds a little bit cliche, but allowing yourself to absorb all the stuff that you've done takes time, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. the body doesn't just unwind everything it's done in a couple days. You know, mm-hmm. your, your body is really incredible. It's, it's smart. It's flexible. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, very elastic. And if you lose a few days – Typically, in my experience, and many other coaches would probably back me up on this, in my experience, when you back away, when you pull away for a few days and miss some stuff, you typically show up on the other end of it feeling better and performing a little bit better because you don't yeah. realize how tired you are sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely, and yeah. Great performances come from athletes who are relaxed and smooth. <laughs> And um, mm-hmm. I see that as a great opportunity for the person who just wants to put the nose to the grindstone and hammer it all out. What yeah. you're doing is sometimes you're adding too much stress and you're adding tension to your body and mm-hmm. your body doesn't move and perform well with a lot of stress and tension. So, right. so by doing yeah. like some reset, by doing some relaxation, some something that just lets your body chill out, mm-hmm. typically you move better and – you, you run, you swim, bike, run, or whatever you're doing smoother in the coming week. And, and you won't lose everything that you gained in seven days. It's just that it doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah, I think, and I think probably the biggest message or the, one of the pieces of advice I've heard before is like, if you're somebody who feels really anxious about taking time off, it probably means you are the biggest candidate for taking time off. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. The stress is probably higher in that, in that body. And then you can just let it, let it release a little bit. Yeah. And then, and then build back up doing all the fun stuff that Mm -hmm. we, yeah, we've just been talking about. So for sure. Okay. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure to chat to you and, uh, wish you and all your athletes the very best for the the winter months and, uh, look forward to seeing you come, coming out the other side in 2022, stronger, faster, fitter, and, uh, even more confident. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate Emma Kate. Thanks for having me on and uh, great questions. Hopefully people can uh, pull something away from this. It's, uh, it's fun stuff to talk about. So thank you. You bet. Thanks, Mike. All right. Cheers. The Velocity Cycling app knows that all of your training inside is to be better outside. Becoming faster is a skill you can and should be training during your indoor sessions by focusing on key contributors to speed like body position, effective power transfer, gearing efficiency, and drag reduction. With Velocity, better starts inside so you can get to fast, faster. 
Next up, we're joined by Chris Foster, our executive editor and resident gear guru, who's going to talk us through some of his favorite winter gear. Now, being a gear guru, of course, he's sorted it into two categories, gear that he thinks will help you get out the door this winter when perhaps motivation is a little low, and gear that will come in handy if you're focusing on a single sport. Okay, here's our chat with Chris. Hello, Chris. The gear guru is in the house. How are you today, sir? I'm awesome, EK. How you doing? Ah, pretty good, thank you. Yeah, and uh, excited to talk all things off-season with you, although uh, I'm kind of currently revising my uh, ideas about that phrase because as we were talking to Mike earlier in the show, he was uh, saying he likes to call it the post-season. And I know uh, and there were another couple of coaches I was talking to over the weekend about it, and they were also saying it's not an off-season because we're athletes and we're never off. Right. And I was like, huh, okay. So anyway... That side, yeah. we've already got a tangent going straight in, in minute one. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be a great show, guys. Um, but well. yeah, that aside, we one of the things that I did talk uh, when Mike and I were talking earlier in the show. One of the things we talked about was making the winter um, a great time to have some real focus time on single sports. Obviously, throughout the bulk of the year as triathletes, we are balancing three sports, yep. but using this time to really make it like project swim or project bike or project run. Yeah. And so, um, obviously, with that in mind. I know that you'd created some kind of gear lists of uh, things that you think are ideal for if you're about to embark on one of those projects. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure the single sport focus thing is great. You know, I'm not a coach or anything, so I can't speak too much about the, you know, what you should do for your form and that single sport focus. But I think there are two types of gear. Um, there's that type of gear that helps you with that single sport focus. And then in the off season, you need that type of gear that helps just get you out the damn door. Right, know? for I sure. Mean, it's, it's getting colder, um, it's darker, daylight hours are less. Um, and, and that race, that carrot is so far off at this point. You know, you're yeah. thinking about miles that are like just kind of making miles. Um, so kind of two things I want to talk to talk about today with the gear is the things that'll get you out the door mm -hmm. and then the things that'll help you kind of focus down. Um, because yeah. focusing on that single sport is a good carrot to have in front of you. That's one thing that you can say, okay, I'm going to get better at swimming you know, yep. in a month and a half, I'm going to work on this part of my stroke. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing, like for swim, you know, we'll just start at the top. Yeah. Um, the thing to get you out the door, and this is such a cool gift, and this is such a singular item, and we've talked about it before, and the reason is because it is so helpful in so many things. It's these form goggles. And yeah. sometimes we talk about it so much, I wonder if our listeners are like, oh, it must be sponsored by form. No, form has nothing to do with us in any way. Um, but it's just, it's this heads up display. Um, it projects like a little kind of like LED, you know, text and numbers into the inside of your goggles. It's very low yeah. profile. So it doesn't yeah. look like some giant headgear. Um, it gives you all the stats you need while you're doing your pool swim, you know, your hundred meter splits or hundred yard splits, whatever, um, your distance swam, your time, your splits themselves. Um, so that's, that's super. And that's just in the pool In the open water, um, they do a lot of other things, but they need a compatible GPS watch and, you know, open water is probably not so much what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, form also just recently introduced this whole membership program, which I didn't even know about. I had to look, I looked it up this week. I'm like, Oh, form has a new membership program, um, where they have this gigantic library of workouts available, um, to help kind of guide you through your swim. So in lieu of a swim coach or a master's program, you know, if you don't have those things, you can plug these workouts into your goggles and it'll prompt you, okay, you know, you're going off in five, four, three, two, send, and, you know, you're yep. hitting your splits, you're not hitting your splits, and then it uploads it all, um, you know, the actual swim you did into your, your training log. 
Um, yeah, I tested them. Oh, when it, it might have been last this time last year. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like the the original the, the OG version. Yeah. Um, as an old, I have to say, as an old school swimmer, I wasn't sure. Like yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan, but I know, I know that you are. Yeah, so, uh, I love it. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I like the pace <laughs> clock, but. But yeah, that makes me old school, I realize. No, that's fine. And I'm someone who needs like all the motivation they can get to get in the pool because for me, the pool is, is just a nightmare. Um, but and I can definitely see how that would, if you are somebody that needs the, the mojo to get there, like I, I can definitely see how they would help. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's not like Zwift or anything where it's like a game, but it mm -hmm. definitely adds another dimension to the whole thing. And it, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's fewer things to think about and worry about. Um, so it's cool. And, and I did see their new membership thing. It's like $100 for the goggles and $20 a month um, if you do like a six-month plan. And, and if the membership lapses, I think you still you can still use the goggles and the training log, but not the library of workouts. Um, so, you know, new model that they're using along with a lot of other people. Um, yeah. But it's worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and then, then you were also uh, talking about you were also thinking about snorkels too, right? Yeah. So less about the fun side. I mean, depending yeah, we on weren't talking like about snorkels <laughs> that you used to go diving right. or uh, <laughs> on, on holiday in Maldives. Scuba. Yeah. Um, no, uh, talking more about kind of how to perfect your form and that that kind of yeah. single sport focus. Um, yeah. Snorkel is a huge one. I mean, yeah, the, you know, it helps you um, kind of like kind of pare down one part of your technique, you know, one mm -hmm. problem you're having and just think about that thing. Um, yeah. Because breathing takes up so much of your mental space and yeah. everything that happens when you breathe, you know, just everything gets thrown askew. Um, yes. It's, you know, it, it's hard to work on a single thing if you're also, you know, spinning back and forth. So um, snorkel is a good thing. And, you know, all these form tools that we're talking about, now is the best time to get used to them. Yeah. Um, to learn, you know, if you've never swam with a snorkel, do it now. Don't do it in May, you know, if you can avoid it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably, I think the snorkel is probably one of the greatest tools you can use or uh, toys you can use in the pool to help mm -hmm. you with technique. And so this time of year, it's huge. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and to be clear, like we're talking about the front-mounted snorkel. Yeah. Um, which basically just helps specific. you keep your, yeah, yeah swim-specific, uh, like I know Finesse do, mm -hmm. um, they, I, that's the one I've got, but uh, yeah, they're front-mounted snorkels, and it basically allows you to keep your head still. Mm -hmm. And so many technical problems come arise from too much head movement. Mm -hmm. So, like, as soon and, and obviously the physical, the physiological need to breathe uh, is obviously taken away. You don't have to right. turn your head to breathe when you've right. got the snorkel on. So, it really does help you focus. I think on what you need to be like really zoning in on. Yeah, and I think back to when I first used a snorkel. Like, there is a learning curve to it. Like, I think you and Definitely. I have probably pros with it by now. Um, but I remember when I first started, you know, there's a little water that comes in and you kind of oh, got to yeah. be like, you know, you're like being quarter, like waterboarded. It's not a full waterboard, <laughs> but you're getting a little sample of what that's probably like. And, you know, you're just like, okay. to, yeah. Then into flip turn with the, the flip mom. turn. Oh my gosh. The flip turn with the snorkel listeners. If you've never done it, it's, we promise you will get it if you keep trying, but, um, it is horrifying the first yeah. few times. Yeah. Um, but once you get that little, that fun little blip of water out of your snorkel that you sometimes see people um, yeah. exhaling when they, after they kind do it. like a whale. Yeah. I always thought it looked really cool for some reason. Like, oh, it's so casual. Um, <laughs> but, but so, yeah. So get used to that now. Not like, you know, you're in the middle of your master's class, you're going to throw that thing in and hope it just works out. Right. Like do it with technique, do it with drills, you know, take your time. You know, you don't have yeah. a limited amount. Um, you know, you're not trying to hit some workout or something. Um, yeah. You're just getting back in. Um, and yeah, kind of like you were saying, I like the the finesse 
Um, the stability snorkel is nice. They have one, it's 40 bucks, lots of extra padding in the front. Um, you can slip the mouthpiece to the side, um, because there are definitely times when you want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. that one's nice. And then we've had some, uh, some of our testers try this power breather snorkel. Ooh. Um, Sarah McClarty tried it and it's, it's, I like the name. Yeah. It's so intense. You look like Aquaman. Um, <sighs> it, it actually looks almost like a full scuba deal it has two um breathing tubes that come out either side and wow. i guess the idea is that you get more oxygen you breathe less recycled air um yeah so it's it's cool um it's 150 bucks so if you're just Whoa. like i want to get way into snorkel that's kind of steep for a snorkel you gotta be serious I about know. your it's it's pretty intense so check it out listeners if you're like if you're like you know i want the best of the best you know the finest of money can buy well the power breather um yeah so take a look at that um, but yeah, you know, other than that, snorkels are snorkels. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one other thing I would add to that for um, when we're whilst I'm just thinking about it because talking about fitness and snorkels and stuff is the um, the tempo trainer, metro, like almost mm. like a metronome. Yeah. That you slip inside your swim cap, or you can attach to the back of your goggles, and you hear a beep, and it helps you with stroke stroke rate cadence, mm -hmm. and because obviously like speed of arm turn, turnover. If you're working on that's that can be a massive thing to work on in the winter and really yes. increasing that because yep. that's so important when you then try and swim open water um, if you've worked on that in the pool over the winter so that would be another one that i would i in my brain that's kind of part of the same bunch of toys as snorkels and yep. um so yeah they're, they're called um tempo trainers and yeah. they're I, the one i have is again is a finesse one so yeah, yeah not spo not sponsored by fin show not sponsored by finesse <laughs> but they make a lot of swimming stuff though they do. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's not very expensive, right? It's like 20 bucks, no. something like that. 20 bucks, just yeah. Basic yeah. little LED thing. Um, yeah. but yeah, those are great. And and again, same thing. You want to you want to get into that now, not like yes. a yeah. week before your first race or anything like that. Yeah, the learning curve with that is yeah, is is significant, I think. Take some time. Or it can yeah. or it can be. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I like to think of uh are paddles. You know, a lot of yes, many triathletes are familiar with this. I think master swimmers love paddles. Yeah. Um, that's that's notorious. Um, but I think triathletes, you know, they need to be careful with the paddles a little bit. I think if you mm -hmm. if you don't a if you don't come from a swimming background, b you've never used paddles before. I mean, I tell some people just use like the the kids club swimmer version. You know, they have the, the yeah. smallest one you can get almost. It's just a little bit bigger than your hand. Yeah. Um, because that's going to put less strain on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, you're going to just get used to what that feels like, that extra propulsion that, um, mm -hmm. you know, it can even put some strain on your wrist. I know when I start back out, like I get some weird tendon stuff going in my wrist. Oh, really? Um, okay. but yeah, and then you move your way up, but you go to a master's class, yeah. these guys with these giant paddles look like the size of, you know, records, like vinyl records. I know like the dinner, dinner plates on your hand. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely am a fan of like paddles that aren't too much bigger than your own hand. Yeah. Like I think that that's adequate for, Good. I'm glad we can do it. I thought you were going to yeah. shame me with your talk of like giant paddles. Like, no. Oh, I like to use something the size of a, a door. <laughs> no, I think you get the training effect. You get the effect, you get that muscular endurance and you yeah. get the, they're also great for technique yeah. uh, and, and feel for the water. Um, but I think you get that effect with a you know a paddle that isn't the size of the moon type thing yeah. so yeah. um in, in my opinion people use those big ones sometimes i feel like they're overcompensating for something <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you know like the biggest truck on the block kind of thing but i don't know 
what am I going to say? <laughs> it sounds like something a traffic would say too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, but I was also, uh, I would also caution, like, to, yeah, like you say, be careful about using them too much. Like definitely yeah. like inc- increase the dosage slowly and yeah. gently because um, yeah. they yeah. can blow your shoulders up big time. Yeah, I would like to, I mean, I remember when I would start with them, you know, you do like 200, 400 pull at the end. Yeah. Um, but you're not doing like, a 1k 2k set with paddles like no yeah. way i mean until yep. later um but yeah it's just not necessary it's almost like the icing on the cake kind of thing not a yep. not a replacement for an entire swim no that's a good yeah. call for sure definitely definitely um, definitely definitely. And, and paddles are very cheap too you can find all sorts of shapes and sizes i know i saw the the speedo power plus or power paddle plus 20 bucks um scalloped edges nice catch mm. um that one's cool um, I know there's finger paddles out there too that kind of help yeah. less with strength and actually in a positive way, they're, you know, they're less strain on your, your shoulders yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. and they're a little better for technique. Um, I think yeah. arena has some same thing, 20 bucks, not yeah. much. Um, but yeah, so I don't know anything else you've got for swimming. I feel like those are the big ones. Yeah, they're the biggies, aren't they? I think. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, what? Well, what I call cheat shorts, but you know, neoprene um, oh, uh, yeah. swim sh- swim shorts can sometimes be good if you're maybe if you're like, doing a big run block and your leg, you know, your legs are going to be dragging through the pool. Yeah. Like there, or or even if you don't want to have to, yeah, just think about that. A lot of a lot of uh, triathletes struggle with like heavy legs from either from like big muscle mass in their legs from swimming and cycling. Yeah. Sorry, um, cycling and running. Um, so that's, that can just make swimming up feel a whole lot easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously there's a ton, there's a ton of different, I know Roka's sim shorts are big and, um, mm. or, yeah, they're really good. Um, and I'm sure I know blue seventies are too. And yeah, I mean, all the wetsuit brands have them now. And those are like, just to be clear, those are like a few millimeters of neoprene They help with buoyancy. Right? right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And they just look like jammers. So they're, they're right. from like waist, waist to knee type thing. Um, right. but do definitely make a difference, especially if you're tired from running or biking yeah. or whatever and you want to, you still want to get in the pool and have a good workout. Yeah. Um, good call. those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that takes us to biking and, uh, yeah. I know you were, you were thinking, uh, obviously it's very trendy and everybody's talking about it. Gravel. <laughs> gravel. Yes. For my, for my category of getting you out the door. So for yes. biking, getting you out the door, get a gravel bike. And of course, everyone's like, well, I don't want to buy a new bike. But here's here's kind of my my very quick tangent on gravel bikes is it used to be that, you know, you get, well, cyclocross bike is what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get a cyclocross bike and you're like, yeah, you can really use it for off road mostly only because it's, it's, you know, it's got cantilever brakes and it's kind of hard to work on. It's a little bit heavy and it's, you know, but today's gravel bikes, I mean, they're, they're 19 pounds, 18 pounds. Yeah. And so that can be your road bike. Like if you're thinking yep. at any point, I, you know, I've got my tri bike, I love it, but I don't want to be on it all the time. I need a road bike for group rides or whatever. Yep. Don't buy a road bike anymore. Like, I, yeah. you know, that's my, I'm preaching this now. It, it, just get a gravel bike because yep. you could throw some thinner tires on it or not, and you could do a group ride and you won't be at any disadvantage. And yeah. then you throw on bigger tires, you know, something a little thicker and you can hit probably I don't know, like 60% of trails that you would be able to tackle with a mountain bike, not necessarily 60% of trails that are out there, but, but, you know, as a triathlete who probably isn't bombing, you know, huge drops on a downhill, Mm -hmm. um, the gravel bike is probably about all you're really going to get into off road. Um, and you know, they have carbon ones now for 2,500, 2,700 bucks. I like the, um, Obed 
they make it's the same parent company who makes Quintana Roo. Yeah, I've heard good things about them. Yeah, so I have kind of an affinity for them because they're a tri brand. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, you know, they're twenty seven hundred bucks, carbon frame, great components, disc brakes, and you've got a gravel plus road bike. You know, mm-hmm. forever. Um, if that sounds like too much for a second bike or a third bike, uh, Canyon has these aluminum Grail sixes for under two thousand bucks. Mm. And same thing, disc brakes, solid build. Um, it's aluminum, so it'll be a little bit harsher, but honestly, I, I rode one of those for a while and, um, you know, just lower the tire pressure, mm-hmm. you know, you run big tires, you lower the tire pressure. You're probably not going to tell a big difference. Um, but yeah. yeah and, it's, and it's just so much fun. It's so much more fun. And obviously yeah. there's so many different, you can discover so many different, in terms of like the mental, having a mental switch off from such yep. structured swim bike run training, like this time of year, it's so great that you can just like go, literally go ro- ride off road, like you say, yeah. and cover some cover great trails and don't have to worry about traffic. Don't have to worry about all the things that happen on the road. Like, I don't know. It feels like far much, far more of an adventure when you're out roading. It's, it's new, new routes, you know, it's not your Mm -hmm. same old boring road rides and, um, and and the side effect of it is, you know, it builds strength, it builds handling skills. Yeah. Um, you know, all that good stuff that you, that you should be working on in the off season anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and def- I think that's definitely a plus for most triathletes. Yeah. Yeah. They um, could always use more handling skills and strength. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but then on the kind of the opposite side of that, on the not get, on the keep you in the door, um, is, uh, smart trainers, indoor, you know, right. indoor cycling. That's, yeah. that's going to be the thing, you know, this is your focus. This is how you get better. Um, yeah. and there are ways to make it fun. Uh, we just did a big, a big roundup of all the indoor training platforms um, mm-hmm. that are out there, all the major ones. Yes. We found nine that yep. were, you know, popular enough to pop up on our radar. Um, yep. We did a big comprehensive list on that. And, and, you know, nine indoor training platforms is like seven more than were around yeah. a few years yeah. ago, you know? Yeah. That whole scene has just yeah. exploded. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is they're not all like, I kind of thought they'd all be the same with different names. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously Zwift is kind of the leader in that there, it's, right. you know, uh, it's like this virtual environment with a community and these, this world with power ups and, you know, all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, yeah. but then there are other ones that are almost nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, uh, our reviewer looked into the, uh, the new Wahoo system platform, um, yeah. which is cool. It just, it replaces the Sufferfest. So if you're like, what happened to Sufferfest? It's now called Wahoo system. Um, and it's very cool. It has like, you know, videos on not just like, you know, the cycling routes. So you can do a virtual cycling route of, mm-hmm. you know, some course or some ride up in the Alps or whatever, um, that, you know, moves as fast as you're going as you pedal and, and you know, hits you with the altitude in the same way or the, the elevation in the same way on your trainer mm-hmm. and your smart trainer. Um, but it also does like some very instructional stuff and gives you training workouts and, um, even with swim and bike or I'm sorry, swim and run stuff as well. Um, that they're still kind of implementing. So it's very cool. I mean, it's definitely, it's not quite the same as Zwift. It doesn't have that big community thing. Um, yeah. But it, it it has like training plans for triathlon and workouts and, um, you know, a, a little more like kind of the instruction that I think triathletes need. It has more content. Yeah, we'll definitely link that in the show notes, that um, yeah. the review of the, the review of all the different plat- platforms. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of a cool thing to think about. Um, and then, you know, to get on these platforms, you need a trainer itself. Um, 
And, and you know, all of what we're talking about is basically going to be smart trainers um, because they're not super expensive anymore. They connect up to your computer or to your, um, you know, your smart device. Um, they, you know, give feedback, you know, you go faster on the trainer, the virtual world goes faster. You hit a hill in the virtual world, the trainer provides more resistance. Um, and then obviously there's way more to it than that, but that's the, the gist of it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but, but yeah, so, so the, the two trainers I like, um, there's a, you know, direct drive smart trainer, which has you remove yep. your wheel, um, yes. and then set your frame onto basically a drive train. Yep. Um, and that, that's probably best if you're going to be using it all winter, uh, you're not going to be taking your bike on and off. You want a really stable platform, something really solid, something quieter, um, because you don't have the wheel spinning, you don't have the spokes yes. spinning. Yep. Um, those are, you know, the funny thing about those is they're still all pretty, pretty expensive. Like, yeah, they're an investment, right? Yeah. I, I keep waiting every year. I'm like, Oh, who's, who's going to come out with the $500 direct drive smart trainer. And then I don't know what it is. So so you start with um, Tax has the Flux S, 750, you know, it's, it's not mm-hmm. horrible, but, and then kind of the, the bulk of the direct drive smart trainers are um, kind of in that $900 to $1,200 range. Um, yes. The one that, that's probably the most popular and just a great option, Wahoo Kicker Core, 900 bucks. Yeah, they're so, definitely very popular. Yeah, yeah, they're just, they're everywhere. And, they, and it's because mm-hmm. they work. They connect super well. They don't drop the connection. They they set yep. up quickly and easily. They're they're heavy, but not insane. You can fold them up. Yep. Um, so, so those are probably the two best options for the, the wheel off, the direct drive trainer. Um, yeah, and, they de- and I think they're definitely a worthy investment if you're going to spend a significant amount of time on the trainer over the winter. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's a, an investment worth making. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a regardless experience. of the weather and yeah, yeah. You, can, you can still get a really good workout in. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but if you're like, well, I just don't have that or, you know, you live in an area where maybe you're doing a couple days a week or, you know, one day a week or whatever indoors, um, they still have the, the wheel on trainers. They're easier to yes. set up. They're um, more, you know, you can store them more easily if you don't have a dedicated area, you know, mm-hmm. to set up your indoor setup. Um, we like, I like the Tax uh, Flow Smart Full Connect. Um, that one is three seventy, um, mm-hmm. and you can find smart trainers that are wheel on for between three and five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside of those is, you know, they're not as stable. Typically, um, they uh, they're louder. Because you have the they definitely are louder, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're better than they used to be, you know. Um, the old yep. what were those? The uh, the air resistant wind, <laughs> yeah. the wind trainer, the wind, the wind trainer. trainer. Yeah, I mean that was that was that's talk about old school. Yeah, that was like a, a jet engine in your living room or something. So <laughs> loud, and it's just like this sound that just overwhelms everything. I don't know what yeah. it was about that sound, but they're better now. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah so those those are probably the big things for the bike. Yeah, yeah. And so then when it comes to running, uh, obviously getting out on the trails is something yeah. that's uh, just super fun to do at this time of year. Yeah. I mean, well, t- fun to do at any time of year, but, uh, yeah. you know, well, I think I'm a converted trail runner. You know, no, I definitely spend so much more time on the trails now than I used to. But um, like the trails yeah. are littered with, with uh, old triathletes, probably. Yeah, maybe that's a COVID <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. Like, I think it might, yeah, kind of a hangover from everybody being yeah yeah out getting outside and doing the outdoor thing but um 
Yeah. So, and you you were going to talk about some your favorite trail trail shoes. I know you've tested a, a bazillion. Oh my gosh, so many trail shoes. Yeah. Um, and you know, trail running is good too. Just to to circle back a little bit before I get into the shoes, it's just a good thing for triathletes because you know you're at a time when you don't have a lot of workouts necessarily. Mm-hmm. You're not you know stuck to your your paces and and all that stuff. So you're you're able with the trail running, you're, you're able to work smaller muscles. It's kind of like the gravel yeah. riding. You're working on your skills, your strength, mm-hmm. the little fine tuning stuff. Um, so it's more than just fun. It's, it's actually, you know, super helpful. Uh, yeah. but so I've tried a ton of trail shoes this year. Um, most of them good. Um, but my favorite, and this is funny, this is a good one for triathletes because when you recommend a pair of trail shoes to a triathlete, you have to assume that they're not going to run on the trails hundred percent of the time. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. you know, it's just probably the case. Like I've tried some that are like, they're awesome for on the trails, but you step onto the road and you're like, I feel a thousand treads in my foot and, yeah. um, and all that stuff. And they just don't hold up on roads. Well, like, I don't know yep. about you, but I have to run to the trails. So, yes. you know, I've yep. got a mile, Definitely. you know, a mile to get to the trail and then I'm on the yep. trail and that's great. But, yep. um, so for me, for triathletes, I feel like the Hoka Zinal or I don't know how you said Zinal or Zinal, Z-I-N-A-L. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome because it's mm-hmm. like, it looks like a road shoe, right? mm-hmm. so it doesn't look this big, burly, knobby thing. Um, it runs great on the roads. Um, and even though the treads look very small, um, I find they grip so much better than even some of the knobbier, um, trail shoes that I've used. And I've used them in, I've used them in Colorado. I've used them in California. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you're in really mucky areas, it probably wouldn't be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But they're new for this year and they're amazing. I think they're 160 bucks, you know, kind of standard Hoka shoe price, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, but I love those because, you know, if I spent a month running on trails, I'd pick those. If I spent a month running on roads and had to use the same shoes, I'd be fine. Yeah. I'll tell you one one pair that I would throw into the mix that yeah. I really like in terms of the, they're the first pair of trail shoes that you, I have found to be versatile enough to be able to run on road and it not feel funky, yeah. like you're saying, yeah. and it also be super stable and super and just great on trails. And that's um, Innovates, the Trailfly Ultra G oh, yeah. 300. Oh, cool. I mean, the, the color scheme, they're bright, like <laughs> neon, neon green. Like you kind of, you cannot be missed in them. I feel like Innovate but, has um, that like Euro style. They love those yeah. like neon colors that, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so color aside, they're definitely not my favorite color shoe, but in terms, if you are looking for a shoe that you can just run on the rail, run on the road and feel great, yeah. run on the trail and really have like that traction, durability, all the, the support, like they are by far the best I've tried. Awesome. Which ones are those again? The Innovate? Innovate, uh, the Innovate, uh, the Trailfly Ultra G 300 Max. Okay. I knew there were a lot full... of words in there. That's why I need, I wanted you to repeat it. The Innovate okay, cool. Trailfly Ultra G 300 Max. Yeah, I just cool. uh, I just checked my email to make sure I got the, the name right. But yeah, I actually used <laughs> them like a lot a in the run up to. Yeah, I used them uh, a lot when I was training for Leadville and they were, nice. yeah, very good. Very, very good. good. That's an awesome recommendation. Yeah, yeah I haven't done anything like that. So listen to EK, folks. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I've never, no. Um, but yeah, so th- those are some great shoes, I think, for the trail running. And then um, the only other thing I'd like to talk about, and I, I feel like I always talk about this, but it's because it's something I love is, um, running with power. Yeah. And without getting way off, you know, onto a tangent about that, um, if you're going to be running on the trails, if, you know, you still want to be putting in, you know, you want to know how much work you're putting in. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You know, whether Mm -hmm. it's like, look, I need to take it easy today and you're on the trails and sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, it's Mm -hmm. so steep or it's so rough. Um, am I going easy enough or whatever? 
Um, yeah. Running with powers is a super good way of doing that mm-hmm. um, because you're just getting that that effort. And and there's some really cool ways to um, have it help with your form too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you work on your efficiency and that's something, again, you want to do now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you want to become more efficient, um, you want to get some benchmarks on your efficiency. Yes. Now yeah. is a good time for that. Um, because you're less worried about, you know, just doing the workout or, or getting ready for the race. Um, and the running with power is really good for that. I think that, that, you know, it's not like cycling with power where you're just getting exactly like Watts, how much effort it's a little Mm -hmm. more complicated. It's a little more fuzzy. Um, Mm -hmm. but it is good for those two things. One, seeing how much effort you're putting out more or less, Mm -hmm. um, especially on trails. And then two, how efficient you're running, um, over a given distance with time. Um, and is that your go-to metric when you're when you're training? Is oh that, yeah, do you it's all totally? I use okay. now. Yeah, Interesting. all I use. I, I've been yeah, I've been doing these. Um, I've been doing some trail races and some like just like hill climb races that are like you know four miles straight up a hill, and mm. you know pacing minute per mile wouldn't tell you anything. Right. You know, you're yeah. like what ten minutes per mile? Great. I'm I'm dying. No, I'm actually going way too fast. Um, yeah. Whereas you plug in like okay, I'm at four hundred watts you know, which Watts doesn't really mean anything. It could be 400, whatever's, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, okay, this, this feels manageable, but I have to do this for, you know, another hour. Can I do that? And then, and then watch that. Um, so that's, I mean, that's all I use now. I don't use anything else other than than running with power. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Since, since talking to you on these shows, on these segments about, uh, (laughs) about running with power, it's actually kind of got me, I'm still like very much, I would look at heart rate as my, as my go-to metric or or pace. Um, but now you kind of got me looking at power as well. So it's kind of interesting to like almost educate yourself a little bit about it. It's fun. Yeah. And it's the trick I think about is it's very much more personal than, um, cycling power. mm -hmm. Like, and each watch is so different. You know, like with a cycling power meter, you're like, okay, it's plus or minus 1% or something like that. And there's a little bit of a translate. You can calibrate it and stuff like that. You don't calibrate on a running with power um, situation. So each, if I have three watches that all do running with power built in, they're all going to give me wildly different things um, because they use different math and different. um, So it's really, it is like you were saying, it's something you kind of have to explore yourself Mm -hmm. and, and learn your ranges and learn your paces almost you know, completely brand new, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and, and again, now's the time to do that. You know, now's the time to kind of figure out your power ranges and things like that. Um, because they can, you know, they could help you pace an Ironman that's hilly. They could help you, you know, there's, there's a lot of yeah. stuff they can do for you. Definitely. Um, yeah. And if you've got some, uh, you've no doubt got some favorite watches. Yes. I have so many watches this year. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but you and I, we just both keep coming back, but Coro's pace too. It is such we do need a good to get watch. them to sponsor this show, really, don't we? Koros, do you hear us? Um, Two hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like one of the cheapest smartwatches you can even find, and it has yeah. built-in running with power. Has great metrics, great um, analysis. Uh, it's the smallest smartwatch that's available that I've ever seen. Which you know, I feel like would do it. The battery's great. Um, you know, it doesn't have all the life, the cool lifestyle stuff. It doesn't have like yeah. the deep um physiometric stuff but uh but most people don't use all that the battery honest. life alone is marvelous like I, it's the watch i use all the time for, it's crazy. for my runs and the and, screen uh, is super clear the, yeah. the buttons are super responsive like you know it's little stuff like that when you've been playing with a lot of watches you're like those are the things you come back to definitely um, so i love that i mean honestly i just feel like everyone should just get one of those um but if you want something a little more um like a little more functionality a little more lifestyle stuff um 
the Polar Vantage M2 also has built-in on wrist running with power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one's 300 bucks, so a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a little nicer form factor. I think it probably looks a little bit cooler. Um, it's probably a little tougher. I think the Pace 2 seems fragile. I mean, I haven't broken mine, but it's you know, it's mostly plastic. Yeah. Um, but that one's great. And then if you're like, well, I don't, I already have a watch. I don't need to get another watch for this. Um, there's the stride foot pod and mm-hmm. that's kind of the gold standard for, for running with power metrics it gives you just a ton of, you know, stride. I mean, stride length, uh, most things do that, but you know, leg spring, leg spring stiffness, um, efficiency scores oh, wow. it's and their dashboard that they have is wild. It's just, I mean, it breaks down everything. It makes, it makes some of these cycling analysis programs look like a joke. And you know, mm. cyclists love their numbers. So yeah. Now, yeah. am I right in thinking they were the first ones to bring running running power to the table, weren't yeah. they? Like back. I mean, it's, that was a while, a little while ago, probably. Yeah. But, um, I want. I, I, I think, think you're right. I, I mean, not there might have been something else I'm not sure of, but I think they they started with that little. It's a it's a little pod that goes on your shoe. Yeah. Um, and they have a new version that also takes into account um, wind resistance. You know, mm. and I, I don't oh. know. I don't know about that, but um, it, it's neat, I guess. I, like, I don't know how many people draft in a in a running race, but you know, maybe Kipchoge or something. Um, but but yeah, so the, the Stride's great. The Stride is definitely the deluxe, and it it works with um, a lot of Garmin devices. They have a big mm-hmm. list of them. Um, it works with Apple Watch. Um, oh, very cool. And yeah. I, think, I think actually, ironically, it works with Koros too, which seems kind of superfluous. Oh, but huh. Interesting. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and that, that's 220 bucks. I think uh, I can't remember if I said that, but um, that's yeah. a great option. Um, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, before we go, Chris, well, before we say goodbye to you, I always like to throw a curveball question <laughs> in for you. So what's your winter project? What's your, uh, what's your goal for the winter in terms of your training? Oh, you're, so, always, you're always training for something <laughs> and it's always going to be something training weird. for life says chris yeah just trying to i know i actually read a book um a few months ago uh oh god it's killian journey and his partner um and his partner wrote oh, the yeah. book it's terrible i can't remember her name but um but she said something like i just want to i i want to stay healthy and run so that i can run the next day oh, you cool. know what i mean like just just enough yeah. to be like if i want to go for a 10 mile run, I can do it. If I need to go for a 25 mile run, you know, with some yeah. friends, I can do that too. So yeah. I'm just trying to stay alive. <laughs> stay alive and running. Just, just trying to stay alive. Yeah. That's, a, that's what Sarah triathlete. We're just trying to stay alive, folks. Oh, God. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll leave you with that. Yeah, well, we won't say any more. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. We'll see you next time. That was great. Thanks, EK. Okay, so hopefully now you're a little more in the know when it comes to structuring your winter and really getting the most from this time of year. Thank you for joining us on this month's Fitter and Faster. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Fitter and Faster by Triathlete wherever you listen to your pods. And if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back next month when we'll have our strength training special. But until then, happy training.